Hello and welcome to the Wonders of Wellbeing podcast with Amy. Really think about how leaders should empower other leaders. So really recognising that everyone is capable of developing leadership skills and everyone in our school is invited to our leadership meetings. So we have kids who come along just because they want to, they feel like they can give and they can serve. They may not necessarily have a leadership position or a badge, but they're free at that lunchtime. They're interested in some of the projects that we're working on and they can come along as well. And when student leaders bring other good people on board, then schools start to really embrace this concept of inclusivity where everyone feels that they can contribute their skills to try and help make their school a better place. And when kids realise that they can help to make their school a better place, then you really start having students creating electricity within a school. This evening, I have the pleasure of chatting with Lennon Rago, Head of Positive Education at the Australian International School in Singapore, who works within the wellbeing team to create dynamic programs to foster greater school spirit. Having lived in five countries and going close to 10 schools in Asia, as well as in Australia, Lennon always felt a connection to the classroom and to teachers who would create a space for belonging and acceptance. As a student leader throughout secondary school and head boy in his final year, Lennon saw firsthand how students can take ownership of initiatives in their school to help to make a positive difference. He strongly believes that schools must help develop students of character who make a meaningful contribution to the world. As an ambassador for student and staff wellbeing, Lennon aims to create a positive and uplifting school culture where students and teachers may explore, collaborate and find the fun in learning. Lennon has received a Western Australian Teaching Excellent Award as well as a National Teaching Excellent Award in Australia. He was also selected as a top 10 finalist as Perth's favourite teacher, voted by students in the school. Thank you for jumping on for a chat, Lennon, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. That's all right. My pleasure. We were just saying before we pressed record that we've been trying to catch each other over the last couple of months. And when we finally booked this stadium, we're like, oh gosh, it's in April. That'll be ages away. And here we are. So time flies, but so good to to have you on. So Lennon, I thought a good place to start would be for you to share the catalyst of you getting involved in the wellbeing space of education. Yeah, great. Thanks, Amy. So I personally had varying experiences of education myself, and essentially it came down to this one fact. When I felt a strong sense of belonging, and when I felt seen and valued, when I felt supported by caring teachers, I thrived. I loved going to school, and I loved learning from my teachers. And I remember thinking as a student, you know, I love being in this class, and it wasn't necessarily about the subject the content or even if I had my mates in there or not, it was more about the atmosphere. So if we can work to create nurturing, positive, uplifting environments, our students will naturally want to be in our classroom and the learning will take care of itself. It'll automatically fall into place. And the thing is, when we have students who want to be in the classroom, we will have kids who are inspired to strive for their best and they'll want to work hard because of that rapport that they've built with their teacher. They'll also feel safe in taking risks as well as making mistakes. They'll want to contribute in class. They'll want to ask questions and seek feedback and they'll engage in class, not just because they enjoy the content, but because they feel valued in their class and because of the environment that the teacher has created. Now, 
in saying all of this, this doesn't mean at all that kids need to feel happy all the time. They must be challenged and they must be held to high standards. Students must also experience success, but also failure as part of their growth. And I was very lucky very early on in my career when I started teaching with great mentors along the way to learn that children are learning so much from who we are as people, as well as what we are teaching them. So as a result of all of these experiences, but also recognizing that every teacher is a teacher of well-being, this is why I specifically got into the well-being space. Amazing. How inspiring is that? And so powerful. And you can just like feel the, the passion coming through as you speak. And it's one of those things, isn't it, where majority of people in society have had school experience to, to some extent, how long varies and, and where, but some level of school experience. So I think sometimes people feel like they're an expert because they've been to school and they've experienced it and whatever their experience was is what school is like. But in saying that, so many people can share a teacher that they remember. And more often than not, it's because that teacher made them feel valued, made them feel heard, or did something to make them feel a certain way that has just carried through their life. So just like you said, that connection and that belonging is just so incredibly important and something that people out of the education world speak of, you know, so highly when they reflect on on their time in schools. What does positive education look like at the Australian International School in Singapore? Yeah, so POSED at our school, AIS, is about creating personal character and also helping students to be the very best they can be. We want our students to achieve goals and continuously aspire to be better. And we have a wellbeing team who have developed some incredible programs and resources which continue to embed wellbeing at the heart of education. Sometimes POSED itself can sound a little bit fluffy, as though we want our experiences of school to only sound positive. But we know that experiences of education are filled with so many obstacles, but also opportunities. And the ultimate purpose of school is to help young people prepare for the real world and the world beyond the gates of school. So we aim to teach young people how to maximize their potential by playing to their strengths. One of the greatest things that I have learned through my own POSED training and from a great mentor of mine, Justin Robinson, is to think about are we preparing students for a life of tests or are we preparing students for the tests of life? And mm. that to recenter myself every time we get too bogged down with so many curriculum developments or changes or requirements. Just think about what, what it is we're specifically focusing on. And at our school, we've really had to narrow down what POSED looks like and, and what is the intentional purpose of our positive education programs. And it comes down to these three things. One, to practice gratitude. Two, to develop resilience. And three, to spread kindness. And when we focus on those three things through our morning programs and try and embed various things throughout various lessons in the week, we really just focus on those three things, gratitude, resilience, and kindness. Wow, awesome. I know that actually wasn't aware that the Australian International School in Singapore did it, but I have followed for a long time the Ravenswood and a lot of their conferences and things that they push out around positive ed. And just like you just said, it was sort of like, mm, but the world isn't always positive. So it was awesome that you just sort of shared that because people outside of it, I have heard that be critiqued before. So it's amazing to sort of hear a little bit more about it just yet yeah, through what you guys are doing. Lennon, what do you do 
we had a conversation in the staff room about this today. What do you do personally to foster greater wellbeing and what can teachers do? Yeah, look, that's a, a great question and something that I think is really fantastic that more staff rooms and, and more teachers are willing to at least talk about this as a area that we can really grow in as professionals. And from my own interactions with teachers online, whenever I participate in PD or courses, there's a real sense that educators are exhausted from the last few years in particular. And there is such a need for teachers to look after themselves if we are to remain passionate about what we do in our profession. So for me in particular, I like to focus on, on three main things. First and foremost, to develop an understanding of what work-life balance looks like for you and recognizing that all our circumstances are different. So I am personally very productive on Sunday evenings when I get a lot of things done for my whole week and I like going to bed with all my emails drafted and organized. I'm not a morning person at all. So reading emails <laughs> first thing in the morning gets me feeling really frazzled and I just don't start my day well. So I know many people who, who say that they don't touch their laptops over the weekend at all. And this is great if it works for them. But for me, personally, Sunday evenings are hugely productive and I can set up my whole week because I know come four o'clock on a weekday, I've got very little energy in my tank to try and get a whole heap of stuff done. In saying that, it, I think it's also equally important to be understanding of your colleagues and what boundaries they may have in place and also some of their personal commitment. So where your work-life balance or what your work-life balance might look like might be also very different to other people. The second thing I do to really foster greater well-being for myself is to try and keep the joy in teaching. I think that there's so much admin and paperwork, uh, emails and professional requirements that we have to undertake and sometimes we lose sight of the joyful moments in each day and as a little guide I try and just laugh once in every lesson and show my classes you can laugh and that we can have a sense of humor and it it also helps to create a very light-hearted jovial mood where you know we're giving kids permission to also express happiness themselves so to really keep the joy in the in the small moments of teaching but I find that this third point really helps not only to foster greater well-being in myself as a as an educator but also within those people that I work most closely with on a daily basis and that is to celebrate others and I often think about this if you take the roof off a school you will see all these incredible adults who have created these mini kingdoms which are their classrooms and you know sometimes in my role I get to run around the school and be part of different initiatives in year groups and different classrooms. And there is so much gold which other teachers do and no one gets to see it. And I just find that to be really extraordinary that there are all these adults in different classrooms in their little mini kingdoms and we very rarely get an insight into what other people are doing and how things are going for them. So our job as teachers, particularly if we're leaders or teachers in the well-being space, is to celebrate it. You know, we need to try and find ways to make the fuss, showcase what people are doing in their classrooms, celebrate the expertise and the skill and also the genuine care that other teachers give their students. I just think that's so important because we give so much of ourselves to our students and to their parents and to our school communities, but we should also pause every now and then and give to each other 
And a simple pat on the back or some praise from a colleague can feel so reassuring and uplifting and so good for our own well-being. And this is really, really important to note that schools should be a place where teachers also feel a tremendous sense of belonging as well, where they are also valued and seen for their individual characteristics. So those are three things collectively that I try and do to sort of maintain some balance, but also look after myself as a teacher. Good on you. That is awesome. And how awesome that you are, you know, in the position that you're in to be able to drive that within the school culture as well. If that's sort of what you're fostering, that's what you're leading, then no doubt people are picking up on that. It's really interesting acknowledgement spoken about a lot in the wellbeing space in schools at the moment that people are or teachers are feeling undervalued and not acknowledged and you know or the list does go on for in a lot of schools around the world and just the smallest of acknowledgements you know as you said we are often quite isolated in classrooms and even though it's an extremely social day surrounded by students it can be quite isolating if you're the only adult sort of in your space for majority of your day you know the conversations especially if you've got the little ones are cute and and funny but also it, it is true you know having that time for yourself when you're caring for them so regularly is so important I was recently listening to a podcast with Meg Durham and Dr Bryony Scott about this sort of invisible space within the education world and they were talking about you know there's no prize for burnout there's no prize for being someone who works throughout the weekend there's no prize for someone who is on their laptop for the longest and it was just the way that they worded it that was just I just thought that was such a good way to sort of phrase it like a little bit of a metaphor around like why you know you've got it as you said find a balance that's good for you if Sunday night works for you that's great for others might think you're right I'm not touching my laptop over the weekend but to set yourself up for success is so powerful and then everyone's different and schools will continue to always want more from us you know so no matter how much we give we're going to need to keep on giving so just recognizing you know what works for you how much you can give where you can work a little bit smarter with the team of people and delegate and collaborate as as strong teams of people who all come from different backgrounds and different experiences and expertise and really really harnessing all of that great energy but also recognizing that you know there are great people everywhere and if you can have someone in your school a group of people in your school whether it's management or leadership or just great teachers who celebrate the goodness that occurs on a daily basis I think it's also important to know that when you get into the world of teaching you don't really do anything for yourself to be recognized we do so much for children and that is especially why it's important to recognize other staff to celebrate the good things that they're doing and to just recognize that we're also all in this together we're we're on the same team and we've got to look out for each other as staff yeah no so true going back to the kids how do you create a student leadership team because i know that you you sort of use the students to empower a bit of that school community to sort of take charge and to lead events um and to develop that school pride so would you mind just sharing a little bit about that yeah awesome so i've loved student leadership since the time i was a young kid as well and it's a little bit of everything you know the fact that students and who who become leaders get to do so much around their schools and i was very very fortunate when i was a, a, a child to be elected and then to be voted into good positions and i was able to see firsthand how students can make a real difference in their school and as well as in their communities and sometimes not just their local communities but their global community you know to inspire or, or make a difference to a, you know different people around the world in whatever capacity so a couple of things and 
probably five main points really come to mind to empower students to really take charge and take lead. The first would be have a clear and definite idea about what student leaders do. So what is their job description and what are they needed for in your school community? So if you don't have a clear job for leaders to do, then they just become positions of nothingness. And if that's the case, student leadership will never be seen to be prestigious. So have a very clear list of jobs that student leaders do within your school community. Number two would probably be thinking about the training that's provided to student leaders. So we can't expect students to run events and to plan initiatives to develop leadership skills if we don't give them the time and the training to do so. So when we initiate a training day, you know, tell students specifically what skills they are developing. Is it about organization or different processes, maybe email email techniques and skills and communication? Maybe we're focusing on public speaking. So what skills are you actually wanting to focus on in your training days so that students can work towards developing really successfully throughout the year? And a really important consideration would be who else can you bring on board to train these young people up? So where can you harness and utilize all the goodness of other staff who may have great skills in public speaking or experience in teaching students how to plan and organize events? Ask other staff to come on board because there is a wealth of knowledge and skills amongst your teams of staff who would only be too happy to share that that goodness with student leaders. The third point would probably be about where can you implement peer-to-peer training? So after intentionally working with student leaders as staff, I mean, I specifically work with year 12s and year 11s to really develop some great skills. And then it is such a pleasure to watch my group of year 12 and year 11 leaders train the year 10s and the year 9s. And not only do I take great joy in it, but they love it as well because they are using all the things that they've learned with me and a group of staff. And now they are training the younger leaders below them. So they feel powered, but also useful. And they are the leaders training younger people and the younger students love it as well because they're learning not from just teachers, but from their peers and and, and people that they aspire to one day be like. I think it's also really important as a fourth point to establish goals with leaders at the beginning of the year. So really after brainstorming all the things that you may want to achieve, narrowing it down to probably just five goals that you want to achieve this year and recognize how are these goals going to make our school a better place. So whatever goals you establish as a leadership squad, they shouldn't be there to sort of reflect on the student leaders. They should be somehow having a significant impact on the whole school community. Everything that you do during the year has to then help work towards achieving those five goals that you set as a leadership squad at the beginning of the year. And finally, and I've sort of alluded to this a little bit before, number five, probably bringing others on board. So one of the most important aspects of of leadership as probably staff, but also student leaders, I believe is to really think about how leaders should empower other leaders. So really recognizing that everyone is capable of developing leadership skills and everyone in our school is invited to our leadership meeting. So we have kids who come along just because they want to, they feel like they can give and they can serve. They may not necessarily have a leadership position or a badge, but they're free at that lunchtime. They're interested in some of the projects that we're working on and they can come along as well. And when student leaders bring other good people on board, 
then schools start to really embrace this concept of inclusivity where everyone feels that they can contribute their skills to try and help make their school a better place. And when kids realise that they can help to make their school a better place, then you really start having students creating electricity within a school. How awesome. Good on you guys for opening that door up to them, but also good on the kids who didn't get the badge for going. (laughs) You know, know, good on them for going. Good on you guys for opening the doors and good on them for just going anyway. That's, That's awesome. Yeah, and it's really about creating this idea that as leaders, but just as people who are privileged enough to get such a quality education that we embrace this idea of service, that we are continuously thinking about how we can serve our school community, our local communities, and then go globally as well. So we're very, very lucky and fortunate at the Australian International School to do such good work with people in Cambodia and India and Nepal. And when there is a particular crisis that occurs in Australia, how can we try to do what we can to support that community, whether we raise a few hundred dollars or whether we really try and make a significant link to that community in some way. Yeah, incredible. And another gold nugget from what you just said there is making sure that, you know, the students are trained, you know, adequately. And I remember at school in the leadership team, Mrs. Caulfield, I still remember her, the most beautiful lady who, again, led our leadership team and taught us. And no doubt there are skills that I use every day from her and just incredibly powerful. So yeah, that's amazing. Lennon, just to finish up, this has been such an awesome chat, but just to finish up, I'd love your thoughts on if you could redraw wellbeing and education on a blank canvas, how would it look? Yeah, great question. Look, if I had a magic wand and I had the power to redraw what wellbeing looks like in schools, I would really take a look at what character traits, what qualities and strengths are needed in the real world in this century. And keeping in mind that we're almost at the end of the first quarter of this century, you know, and with AI, it's becoming more clear that we will have technology to do a whole heap of tasks for us in the future. But nothing can really replace the human-to-human connection and experiencing meaningful, authentic relationships with others, you know, discovering your purpose or at least the direction you want your life to head towards, doing things which spark joy and and bring you fulfillment or developing a a sense of service to others, recognising that other people matter. I think those are the things that schools really need to focus on. And childhood is such a short space of time. As educators, I think that we really have a duty to equip kids with life skills and character education which is going to stay with them for a long time. And our job as, as educators, whether we're in the wellbeing space specifically or not, whether we're, we're teachers, which is the greatest role in education, our job is to continuously plant seeds that we may never see grow, but we know we've planted them and we hope that one day with further education and further nurturing, they will grow. And we all remember that teacher who made a difference to us, who was extra special to us, like you just mentioned, your special teacher. And for me, it was Miss Henderson in year five, and she shared, you know, the same cultural background as me and gave me full permission to embrace my Indian heritage, but um, also that I grew up in various places in Asia. And she was artistic and she encouraged me to be creative in everything that I did, but she also encouraged everyone to do their thing. So I would really love for, I mean, this is something that I aim to do, but I think that teachers need to aim to see every kid in their classroom 
we need to fully recognize that we may not inspire every child academically, but we need to see every child and we need to value them. We need to let children know that they've got the potential to be successful in whatever it is that they're passionate about and that they can shine in various ways in school, not just in the classroom, but maybe on the sports field or the drama stage or the art studio or the swimming pool, or maybe just not on the school grounds itself, maybe in the jungle or working with their hands in whatever capacity. So really letting them know that, you know, success is not about being the best, but achieving your personal best. And also that if plan A doesn't work out, you know, just to stay cool, because there are there are 25 other letters of the alphabet. And that's a real technique that I use with my classes to really try and develop resilience. But also, you know, as teachers, helping students to recognize their strengths, their talents, and that the education that they receive can really help to make a difference to others and to gently shake the world and, and make a positive difference. And that to me is the power of what we do as teachers in schools within the wellbeing space is to really try and help build children up to believe that they can use the education that they receive to make a difference in the world. Amazing. Where is that wand? <laughs> can you can you create this wand and, and wave it for us yeah. now? I know. How awesome of you to ask me if I could redraw wellbeing in schools. Well, I think we've all got a dream inside of us, which is why we became teachers in, in the classroom in the first place. And sometimes I think just to recenter ourselves and to remind ourselves of why we became teachers, essentially, yes, sometimes it was to pass on the knowledge and the skills that of particular subjects to students, but really it was to work with children and to try and inspire them to use whatever talents that they've been given to really, you know, make their mark on the world. Lennon, awesome. This was amazing. How can listeners connect with you online? I'm just a teacher in the classroom and I'm fortunate to do some great things uh, in the wellbeing space. But I guess LinkedIn is probably the best method to reach out. But um, yeah, again, I'm very lucky to love what I do and, and work with incredible staff at my school. And uh, if you've been listening and you've stayed with us until the end of this conversation, then I thank you very sincerely for, um, for, for joining us. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks so much for chatting with me, Lennon. It's always incredibly, you know, heartwarming to hear incredible initiatives that schools are doing to boost student wellbeing and not just, you know, the strategies, but the actual practical things that are happening and the creative ways that people are, you know, supporting that, the students in the schools and the work that you've done throughout your career has just had such an incredible, incredible impact. And hopefully you're sitting here tonight reflecting, feeling really proud of everything that you have done. Thank you for sharing your story with us, along with, you know, the inspiring initiatives that are taking place at the Australian International School in Singapore. And thanks for everything that you have done and continue to do to create a better future for our lifelong learners. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for the great work you do as well. And um, yeah, all the very best. Keep in touch. Mm -hmm.